Hey everybody, welcome to the Inverse Podcast. Today's guest is an Australian comedian, Will Anderson, who you may have seen on TV with the Gruen Report, or seen his live shows, uh, including his recent one, Will Informed, at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Also, just to let you know, this episode has a language warning, so uh, listen with discretion, or just listen, and we will see you on the other side. I'm going to read... I didn't give it a practice read. I could have not turned on the uh, recording equipment and given it a practice read. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Not bad, first read. I had to have my specs on, but got there. It's not too bad. This is a well-worn-in uh, Bible, by the way. I, I only brought it to impress you, Will. I, must, I, I do like how uh, um, lived in it feels. <laughs> it feels very hipster, to be honest, Jared. It's yeah. got a little, if I, you know, I just be like, look at you, you bloody cool pasta hanging out in some inner city cafe. You know? With your worn Bible. and your... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's cool. Um, thanks for letting me trick you into a Bible study, Will. Well, I mean, you didn't trick me. You told me that it, what it was, and I entered willingly into it, Jared. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, no, no. Well, you know that I'm interested in what it is that you do. Hmm. Yeah, I, like I always find. Uh, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but you're incredibly gracious uh, with um, your time and your support. So I really appreciate it. So. I think I've done two on your podcast, um, so it's it's nice to have you back the other way. So thanks for thanks for doing that. Um, also, you're my equivalent of like you know that uh, horrible old cliche of like you know well I've got a I've got a black friend or I've got an Asian <laughs> friend. It's your defence to yeah. being able to have arguments. I'm like. You know, Jeremy McKinnon is a friend of mine. Yeah. He's totally religious, so I can't be any religious. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm glad I'm that that excuse. Um, on some of your podcasts, you've talked a little bit about your background, and usually where we start um, is kind of that sense of biography for people. Uh, do you remember the Bible being a part of your childhood, or um, uh, do you remember when you first like encountered the Bible? Oh, I don't have a distinct memory of like you know day and date. But I don't. I don't have a lot of distinct memories in general. Like I'm not one of those people who has a, a you know. Uh, I, I always thought if I wrote an autobiography, it would have to be called based on a true story, because my memory is not particularly reliable. Like I often remember things the way that I think they should have been, or in stories or parables. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, stories about the thing that happened rather than documentary evidence of the thing that happened. Oh, well, that fits with yeah. the gospel. <laughs> I mean, Mark's take is different to Luke's take. They remember things in different orders. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, mine is it is my story, but I often think that I am an unreliable narrator Source. of my own. St- yeah, if you want to know about my life, you'd be better off asking other people and not me. Sometimes, <laughs> but. Um, I remember going to church. I don't remember when I started going to church, but I have memories of going to church regularly. Mm. And uh, um, my grandmother, who is still alive, 95, 
It's a good English. Uh, yep. Yeah. And she is a, a, a religious lady, a person who has great and deep belief and uh, has always been, um, you know, that way. And, and to her... Is she likely to listen to the podcast? Uh, well, <laughs> in general, I don't like her to really kind of consume any of the stuff that I make. This might be the one that she actually uh, appreciates. Well, maybe yeah, not. I don't know. <laughs> she certainly snuck in to see one of my Melbourne Comedy Festival shows oh, very wow. early on in my career, which was a move that <laughs> no one involved in what happened that night enjoyed. <laughs> um, I think she watches Gruen on the TV and whatever. But, right. you know, like in a general sense, we used to go to church because... Religion was important to my my nana, yeah. and so to make my nana happy, we used to go to church every Sunday. And my mum has some religion in her life. Like I think mm. she probably has a. I don't talk to her a lot about it, but you know, like I think that she probably believes in God, mm. but in a more sort of you know less you know here are the rules of the church believes in God, but probably believes that there may be that there is a God, and that maybe God is the sort of God from the Bible, at least in some sort of sense, hmm. you know, God. Yeah, yeah. My nan is like, you know, what the Bible says is, you know, true, sort of right. religious. But I will say this to her great credit, not one of those people who has used it as a way to be pre- prejudicial to others or whatever. She's also, hmm. a, you know, a woman from a small country town where the church is as much about the community coming together on a Sunday and they're Anglicans. So, hmm. you know, we all know it's not like the churchy church, the Anglicans. It's a lot of, you know, street stalls and, you know, nice scones on a Sunday and singing some songs and getting the gist of the Bible. You know, nice. it's not. So while I would say that she was definitely, her belief is, you know, like, and she, now that she's at an age where she can't go to church every Sunday, I reckon that'd probably be the thing if she could ask for one thing that she could do, you know, back with her health and whatever it would be to go to regularly to church as much for the social aspect yeah, as yeah. the religious aspect. Um, so it's important to her. And so I've always actually been to as, to the extent that I can be, try to be as respectful of sort of her belief and, and what she believes, at least when I'm around her, I can't Mm. control what leaks back to her about what I actually believe about the world. And I think she probably gave up on the idea that I was going to be a religious person, maybe, you know, in my late teens or whatever, when I started to, you know, but up until then, like, you know, she had, she got like, uh, Seven, five to seven very good Good churchy years out of me. (laughs) I would go every Sunday. I would sing the songs loud. I really liked it. You know, I was a overweight kid and the, like the post-church spread was delicious. And it was like, and you know, you, if you were a kid, you were just allowed to go up and just eat whenever you wanted. (laughs) Like I quite liked church. You know, I was like, you sing a few songs, you know, and I don't have a great singing voice, but I like singing. So yeah. church is like the perfect place for that, right? <laughs> so you belt out some songs and then you just like listen to a few things and then you eat some delicious cakes. Like there wasn't much about that process for a certain streak of you know time in my life. And the kids would then just like play, you know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. muck around. Um, and then there was like, I, I definitely went to like Sunday school or like Bible studies or like, you know, hmm. some aspect of some weekly. I remember there being a weekly thing with the priest where it was a smaller group of people and we were, so there was probably some extracurricular, you know, religious stuff. Um, and then just, you know, so I enjoyed all that. And like, I've talked about it in my stand up quite a lot, but yeah, you know, the original job that I thought I wanted to do was be a priest. <laughs> 
the first job I thought of, because my parents are farmers and like, mm. their parents were farmers and my brother's a farmer, you know. So in terms so, of models that you had of an alternative to farming, he was... I, I mostly thought like, you know, well, you can kind of, well, if you can see it, you can be it, yeah. you know, that's, that's what they say. So when I realized I could be something other than a farmer, a priest seemed like a good job to me. Like, you know, uh, they, you know, up in front of a room full of people, you know, got a captive audience. Wearing black. Yeah, wearing black. Yeah, I mean, right. there's a lot of their act that I've incorporated into my that's home, right. you know. <laughs> I'm not allowed to read my material out of a book, but apart from that, it's... <laughs> um, those memories of uh, your childhood... Was your take at the time that it, the Bible was something that was um, oppressive or was it liberating or was it, how would you kind of put language to um, how you experienced that which was in the air? Well, so my dad's not religious at all, hmm. at all. Not in a the way that I'm not religious. Sure. <laughs> which is a, you know, a more proactive choice, mm. but more in the way that he is just a man of the land and he has a very simple view of life and how life works and it doesn't involve anything other than, you know, the very nature of, you know, doing your work and plowing the fields and, you know, feeding the cows and milking the cows and that's that's how he sees life. Mm. And he's just, that's always how he's seen life. So we were raised in a household where two very distinct like point of views were there from yeah, right. the start. Yeah. Uh, there was never, it never really came with any of that, um, the, the bad stuff, you know, mm. like the, 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 yeah, the, you know, you know, beating kids up for thinking they shouldn't masturbate or something. Right. I don't know. You know, all the shit that you hear about where yeah. people, you know, have these horrible memories of their life with religion because religion was all these rules about how they were terrible and they were going to hell and all that yeah. sort of stuff. I would pray at night. I remember that. I can't remember really? when I stopped praying, but huh. I remember praying. I remember... Now, what did prayer mean for you at the time? Or... I mean, I, you know, I was probably young enough that it was probably like, you know, letters to Santa, you know, style <laughs> prayer. You know, I don't think it was, yeah. you know, deep... R- uh, ruminations on the nature of my existence. It was, poor, it was, you know, more like, please God, if I clean my room, can I get a cricket bat? You know? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I, 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 I can't, I can't remember, but I remember doing it. Like, yeah. I, and, and I, I think that I've never been one of those people who has a major. Like, I think this is part of the reason that. You know, I don't have that sort of instinctive pushback to mm. organized religion or religion in general. Is that there was nothing about my religious upbringing or religious experience that particularly turned me away from mm. the religion. I didn't leave the church because there was some terrible incident sure. or I was sick of the way that they treated, you know, same sex people or yeah. whatever. There wasn't that moment for me. Yeah, yeah. It was literally just a moment where I was like, ah, oh, this isn't what I believe. So, but nor was it like a call for revolution and no. Right. And in fact, when I tried that on as a comedian, when I, you know, cause yeah, every comedian goes through that, you know, point of view where they're just like, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm, you know, I've got opinions and people need to hear my opinions. <laughs> I mean, I'm still like that sometimes, but um, there was a period of time where religion becomes that, you know, if you're not, you know, religion's dumb and this is why people, 
you know, like, I mean, you know, when Richard Dawkins, you know, book yeah, came yeah. out and there was that period of time where it was all cool to be like, you know, people believe in this and they're dumb. But I think that people believe in everything are dumb. Everything's yeah. dumb. No one knows what anything means. You know what I mean? That's yeah. my actual true opinion. Yeah, when yeah. I was being the whole, you know, sort of like, you know, religion is dumb and you're dumb if you think this. And of course the earth wasn't made in like science. You're dumb. Yeah. That's actually not me. Me's more like, um, it's I don't believe it. It don't make any sense to me. Yeah. Um, but however, I also don't think that life makes much sense. Yeah. And many of the explanations that we have for things, I don't understand. Yeah, and there's a- like so, like I don't like I understand that like E equals M C squared is a thing, like <laughs> it, that exists. But I don't actually know what that means. Yeah, I can't explain that to you in yeah. any way. Doesn't mean it's not true or it is true. How the fuck would I know? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think there's incredible humility to that as well. I remember the first time. Do you remember when we first met? Uh, well, You've already what, given the disclaimer that like it's the way it's that not I went. a strong point. <sighs> so that no, wasn't a softball. That, it's true. Um, uh, no, where did we, when Splendor did we first in the grass. And oh, well, that also <laughs> narrows my <laughs> my likelihood of being able to remember it. <laughs> So um, I was I was speaking, and Tom Ballard was on the same uh, panel, and you were about to interview Billy Corgan oh, from okay, the, yeah. the Smashing, Smashing Pumpkins, um, and uh, you came up to me afterwards, um, and I've been a big fan for you know forever, like Triple J days, like, um, and uh, you were like, "Hey, can you hang around afterwards? Because uh, I'd like to have a, a chat." Um, and I'd seen your recent stand-up stuff um, uh, w- with some of the uh, atheism shtick that you were doing at the time. And I was like, I wonder where this conversation is going to go. And then afterwards, we we hung out for a while. Um, you asked for my number and I thought I'd never hear from you again. And you ended up contacting me. So I was surprised um, that it wasn't nearly as black and white for you which I mean, I like in people generally, like um, people who can uh, have a sense of mystery and are actually open to things being more complex. And um, it's one of the things that's most boring to me about some people is if things are completely locked in. Um, And yeah, so that was like surprising and um, uh, exciting and... um, but that ex- surprise and excitement isn't how everybody approaches uh, the scriptures. Do you see that nice little pivot? That's a great transition, I liked Jared. It. Yeah, it was see, good. It was good. Um, the so podcasting thing is still somewhat new to me. That's actually not true at all. <laughs> um, when you read passages like you read just before, um, I-, I know you've got uh, some stuff uh, on that. What is it like that? telephone book um is it uh does it have more meaning than instructions on google maps like uh is i mean i like i i like words you know Mm. personally i like words and i like words that are well constructed you know Mm. like i mean there's i there's a piece of stand-up I'm doing in my new stand-up show, I'm talking about the, uh, the Gillette ad that sort of tackled toxic masculinity. But I start by just talking about how brilliant 
their original ad is Gillette the best a man can get because as an advertising slogan yeah. you are doing so much in that amount of time it is short it's sharp it's catchy there's a mm. rhythm to saying it it's so easy to say mm. but it's like aspirational it's let the best a man can get like it, there's just so much in that small amount of words that mm. just as a construction of words is worthy of sort of you know it has an internal rhythm it yeah. has a music to it in yeah, the way yeah. that it's constructed and often when you read from religious texts you know you obviously can get that same sort of thing these mm. are words have been chosen you know in this way to you know convey a meaning right so obviously often those words can you know come across as being beautiful to listen to or i mean i went to a greek greek orthodox uh, wedding Wow. And, uh, you know, so the whole thing was in a... Oh, smells and bells. That's that end of the language, spectrum. Different language, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, How's the iconography? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, plentiful. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Had to stand a lot, though. That was not not entirely too Yeah, they're not big on sitting. No. Yeah. That was, I was like, where does this bit come from? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fond of this bit. <laughs> um, I once went and saw a stand-up comedian do a set in French when I was in Canada. At the, <laughs> you know, it's in Montreal. They, they speak, you know, they do a French-speaking French festival first and then they do the English-speaking. And I went and I didn't really understand what he was saying, but, you know, there can be a, a sort of rhythmic and lyrical beauty to it. And yeah. often, the, often, you know, your best bits of the Bible... You know, I wouldn't say it's all killer, no filler, Jared. <laughs> I'd, say, yeah. I'd say there's some cracking lines, but yeah. there's a few things that I would have knocked out on a preview night, sharpened it up, and <laughs> tightened it up a little bit. And you know? there's commentary later on saying the same thing about yeah. the same material. Yeah. Like it wrestles yeah. with itself. Yeah. It's like, what was that bit? Um, but, I mean, as you know, like I do think that there is some, you know, in my overall broad perspective on belief mm. you know it it become there are i believe you know that there are probably that there is no one thing that is you know one size fits all for anybody yeah but that there are core sort of you know human values or human decencies or things that we've evolved to you know have shared ideals and ideas and whatever yeah. and you know it's interesting to me that you can be like you can say this religion doesn't appeal to me or this you know, particular set of you know rules or perspective doesn't, but it's interesting to me that if you look at all the major ones, mm. you know, there's these like, you know, things that are all core principles to each totally. of them. They and may express them in a very similar way. They may express them in very different ways, but essentially they're saying the same thing. And like the golden rule obviously is one of those like ones that is absolutely, you know, kind of at the basis of, yeah, it's most like the, the classic. I mean, Peter Singer talks about that. Um, the the reciprocity found in the Golden Rule is found uh, across all human societies, not even um, religion. I mean, but literally, like um, uh, Jainism, Hinduism, Buddhism. Uh, in terms of uh, Leviticus nineteen, um, uh, in the Hadith, the commentary, the sayings of Muhammad. Um, uh, there's this sense of often expressed. Sometimes um, in the negative, like do not do unto others as you'd want them right. to do. Yeah. Um, Hillel, who's like the, there was Hillel and Shema, who were the two great Jewish um, uh, rabbis, elders. And it's said that there's this story of uh, Hillel's approached by this guy who says, I'm going to stand on one leg. And while I stand on one leg, I want you to explain Torah, the law and, and the prophets to me. And Hillel summed the whole thing up by saying, 
um, do not do what is hateful um, t- to others. Um, that's that's the summation, um, which, I mean, Jesus, clearly knowing Hillel and Shemaiah's kind of take on stuff, he, he pivots in the other direction that it becomes an imaginative thing. But it is something that um, this passage that you've chosen is pretty universal like it's it's found right across the board it doesn't make it any easier though well i mean i had it you know i you, as you know i used to have a joke about it but it was you know it was like yeah do unto others as you would have them do unto you but i would add a proviso which is <laughs> first get the permission of others to do unto them what you would ha- because not everybody likes <laughs> you know having done unto them what you like having done unto you well, what's your We're all very different yeah you know what I mean? that's, that's right. it's like well i love this having done unto me yeah. well not everybody will like that being done unto them that's right. people are different and there's there is a sense i mean a, a text without a context is a sure sign you're being conned right um and th- this comes at the end of um, this is G- Jesus' classic teachings. So this is his greatest hits. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's yeah. collated in such a way. It's his that- Netflix special. It's his Netflix. <laughs> exactly. This is, um, and like any good preacher, he uh, tries to end three times before he finally wraps the thing. There's three different <laughs> conclusions, and um, the whole bit around uh, the the narrow path, which people for some reason don't connect with the golden rule. Like, <laughs> is literally. Um, says that this sums up the whole thing and it's a narrow path and those that don't do unto others as you'd want them to do unto you, like, it's a broad road of, like, just disaster. Um, And people, like, project that into metaphysical realities, past life we know and all the rest. And it's like, well, that's not actually in the text. None of that is actually mentioned. None of that is, is there. And I think part of drawing it out of the context is you miss the rest of the stuff that Jesus is saying, the stuff about loving your enemies, judge not lest you be judged, first remove the log from your own eye, um, uh, don't store up wealth uh, for yourself, um, all this kind of gear. But what does what does this teaching mean in terms of like your own take? And one of the things that I'm keen to do with the podcast is I think it's as important to learn to see how another person sees and hears something another person hears it as it is to hear it yourself so you can actually relativize what you think is quote unquote a plain reading so for you when when you um read that passage or, or you do that stuff what's this do onto others stuff what's your take will it's a very interesting question jared um and I actually mean that as opposed to a politician on a current <laughs> affairs show who's just been asked a tricky question and who always says that's a very interesting question while they buy themselves time. You're um, welcome to buy time too. Oh, no, I was de- I definitely was looking to buy myself some time, and <laughs> including this bit where I'm talking about buying myself some time where I'm still technically buying myself some time. I might feel like I'm not, but I am definitely. Um, when When you read the the words themselves and it makes sense like you know when you put it in the context that mm. you just did netflix it does special it does feel like the netflix special yeah you know what i mean like you do feel like yeah this is your hit yeah you know uh, like you know it's okay we went and saw elton john and he played rocket man you know <laughs> <laughs> like um but sometimes things are hits for a reason yeah yeah totally you know like yeah. sometimes the idea of yeah the the reason that something becomes a cliche is because that that thing 
is based on a universal truth. And I don't. I think that if I think about it as a, you know, reading the line in the context through, you know, the world that we live in now, it feels like something that perhaps even from a decade ago we've gone further away from. Mm. You know, like the nature of the world that we exist in now mm. is one where, you know, we are so often able to uh, have everything that we want, design the world mm. in a way where we can be listening to the music that we want to listen to and watching the entertainment that we want to watch and be surrounded by the people that we want to be surrounded mm. by, uh, you know, who share similar ideas and ideals and these sort of things with us, that our capacity to think of strangers as mm. human beings who deserve to be treated in the way that we you know, would curate and treat our own lives almost yeah. seems further away. Yeah. The thing that I always say about um, country people, you know, growing up in a really small place like I did, people always talk about like, oh, yeah, the idea of like, you know, old fashioned values, like as in like in a negative way, like as mm -hmm. in, you know, uh, whether they be more homophobic or whether they be more, you know, kind sure. of, you know, racist or whatever. And there's certainly an element of that where mm -hmm. I grew up in that certainly that idea of the other if you've never met the other exists very much in those places mm. but the thing that i always like to add to that is they are also often one of the societies that is much quicker to then integrate because yeah if you live in a small community you have no choice but to become part of the community mm. right so if you're a sudanese refugee who lands in hayfield and you're like six foot four <laughs> I guarantee you the first morning you're living in Hayfield, the coach of the local football team is knocking <laughs> right. on your door going, when can we get you down to training? Yep. You know, if you move into a country town and you're a Chinese couple who own the local Chinese restaurant, that's where everybody gets takeaway on a yeah, Friday yeah. night and suddenly everybody in the town knows who you are and you become part of the community. Or Often, I remember you sharing about um, a cafe in the town that okay, you grew so up in. Okay, so classic example is... Uh, you know, it, I would have said when I was growing up, the small town I was from was, you know, homophobic or at least mm. casually homophobic, you know, like, and, you know, the, uh, the uh, you know, the story, but yeah, there was a cafe in town that where a, a, a local guy moved back with his, you know, his boyfriend, his partner, and, uh, you know, it became the kind of place where everyone would have their birthday and their meetings mm. and their whatever. And then, of course... You know, you've never met a community that is so embracing of yeah. you know, them and their life and, you know, the issues that then surround that, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I reckon Hayfield probably had a pretty good, you know, positive yes vote in the same-sex marriage. Yeah, wow. You know, and it's an individual case study, but I do think those communities are much more open to that, whereas in a broader sense, you know, in the bigger places, you know, we... I mean, you see it now, right? You get on a bus or a tram or whatever and everybody's in their own world. Yeah. We're not having that thing where we're thinking about other people as being like, so this idea that we would treat other people yeah. in the way that we want to be treated ourselves seems further away than it did a while ago because. Yeah. And it can seem further away for those of us who spend most of our time in progressive circles. Like, but I just think like, it just in general, the idea of considering other, like I often think it's so weird that we get mad at the person in front of us in traffic, <laughs> you know, they're not the, yeah. they're us. Yeah. Do I, if you were thinking like just a real <laughs> practical great, example, That'll do unto well. others, you know, <laughs> like they're yeah. in the exact same situation that you're in. Yeah. If 
if anyone should be understanding of what they're going through, you know how you're frustrated and you're running late for work and you're dealing with blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So is that person that mm. I, like, if you literally think of that as like, consider that other person in the way that I would like to be considered, you know, mm. think of them as a human being who is, you know, having the same experiences or the same challenges or the same, whatever, and give them the same consideration that I demand for myself in that situation. They are, they are you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yet, yet, society and the way that we operate in these things have conned us into thinking that you should be angry at them, that they're the reason that you're late for work rather than, you know, the infrastructure, the, the amount that the government spent on infrastructure yeah, in the state right. or the yeah, fact yeah. that our workplaces haven't adapted to make sure that everybody doesn't have to go to you know, work in peak hour or that we don't have a more effective public transportation system that allows you to... That, they're all valid or, things. Or Jared hasn't could. got his bike to the bike shop and is right. in his car instead. Like, Any yeah. of those things, yeah. but not the person in front of you, yeah. you know? And to me, just as a very practical reading of... And that's often, I think... If I were to say, how would I think of that line and then think of it in my real life? It's so often just in those small moments totally. of going, don't, and I mean, like we've talked about this issue before, but it has a, a more brutal and horrible application when big companies or governments, mm. uh, you know, vested interests, um, in, you know, turn us on each other, mm-hmm. you know, at the bottom. And, you know, you see this obviously through, your work, you know, with refugees, you mm. know, the demonization around refugees yeah. is the people who have been convinced to demonize them are often people who are also less advantaged in society. Yeah. And yeah, the great con, the great trick is to get, you know, two, you know, people who are disadvantaged to turn on each other rather than, you know, band together and, you know, yeah. attack the castle. Yeah. Now, obviously, as you know, I'm a member of the one percent, and I'm fine <laughs> with that. And if you could all just stay away from my castle, but. <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. where I think about it. I think about yeah. it in that sense of like, um, okay, well, anyway, you go on. It's your podcast. No, I, no, I, um, I think part of the beauty of how, like, Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, has responded is her ability to actually enter into what it's like for the Muslim community, even to the extent that, um, wearing a hijab out of respect and and you know they're confusing realities that uh, people from those communities can talk about um but what i appreciate is her attempt to actually imaginatively and you know compassionately empathetically put herself in the place of that community not mention the name of the terrorist but um uh, continue to talk about the victims and i just think it's it's been one of the most beautiful, hope-filled kind of examples of, um, and like it was wonderful. Uh, I preached here in Melbourne yesterday, and hearing people at cups of tea afterwards, and you know, not a, a small uh, church, talk about how amazing that was. But I'm also aware that some people find doing unto others as you'd want them to do unto you quite threatening, like um, threatening in terms of what it asks for us but also threatening that um, the glue that sometimes holds us together is a them. And when you start to actually go, oh, what's it like for them? You realise there is no them, there's just us. And the whole thing that has actually sometimes holds, um, you know, friendship groups, social groups, um, parts of society together is a lie about someone that you've got no ability 
um, or you, you haven't tried to enter into their reality. And if that falls down, there's, there's literally political parties whose rhetoric for the last couple of decades is suddenly going to be hugely embarrassing and, and shameful. Um, so there's a lot of invested interest in, in not doing to others what we'd want them to do to us because um, what I'm benefiting from, it depends on a glue that is held together uh, by people being convinced yeah, sure, that's a good thing, that's a nice thing, everybody should do that, except for them. Well, I mean, I also think, you know, and this is one of those horrible, you know, realities, is that often when people speak about, um, you know, say these people come over here and they're going to take over our country, you know, what they're saying in that situation is we are afraid that others will do unto us what we've done unto them. (laughs) That's right. You know? Totally. Like, I mean, we're literally afraid that, like, I mean, often I think the talk around, like, even the, you know, uh, when you talk about, you know, the sexual revolution or you talk about the rise of, you know, feminism or you talk about equal pay or equal work or any of these things, what often the argument is, is like, but if women are in charge, what if women treat us as badly as we treated treated them. them. That's right. Which should not be a reason to oppose (laughs) something. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) to me that is, but it is, it is that almost that fear of like, what if, what if other people did to us what we've done to them? And and the strangeness of no one's scared of like people arriving on planes. And it's like, is that because when we stole the land, we didn't come by plane, it happened by boat? Like why, why boats in particular? Why is that so scary? Like, I mean, it, that is one of the great, like, I mean, it's just a great mystery. It's like, is that we've just been able to demonize yeah. one group of people because of their method of... Yeah. But there's no better example than that. Yeah, totally. Because in that it, that it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Well, and um, the, the difference between do not do what is hateful to others and actually um, do to others what you'd want them to do is that... Um, you can hold back from doing what is hateful and still hate, and that still holds you know communities together. Mm-hmm. But what actually breaks it down is actually entering in in such a way that um, uh, you start to identify, where you, you start to understand that um, we're not that different, like the same anxieties that we all face, everybody face. I was fascinated by the distinction you made, hmm. uh, which was that there is a big difference between don't do to other people what you wouldn't want done to yourself mm. versus the silver do rule. unto right. <laughs> others as you would have them do unto you. Because yeah. one is very passive in that all that it involves is you like doing no harm. First, yeah. do no harm, which is not a bad oh, it's, place it's to start. Good. Yeah, if anybody's listening and thinking of doing harm to me, yeah. please go with yeah, the silver first rule. First, do no harm. Yeah, that's yeah right. exactly. Yeah. If, you've, if you've got to lock one in, that's fine. I'm happy with that. <laughs> But but it is not the same as the golden rule. You yeah. know, the golden rule means you not only have to do no harm, but you should proactively go out of your way to do to others what you know what you would like to be done unto you. Yeah. And they're different states. And I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, and I also find interesting that like to to not do what is hateful, you're still able to hate, um, and in subtle ways that means that these people are fundamentally bad beyond change i won't relate to them i'll have nothing to do right. with them i'm more righteous than them and uh the world holds together versus if you do start to do what you were talking about in terms of growing up in the country and the experience of your town where you 
had the kind of proximity that you know other people's pain, but also know, you know, their, their passions and their, their loves and um, that they're not much different to the rest of us. It can actually be quite threatening to what holds communities together. Um, and maybe part of that threat is, you know, transformation that we become what we could be like Australia becomes New Zealand or like whatever the, the I think of New Zealand and they're like how Australians describe themselves to other people in practice yeah. like yeah. yeah New Zealand a fan fiction in Australia <laughs> that's right <laughs> they're, they're our Facebook yeah self post yeah, yeah, yeah that's they're, right they're, yeah, they're, they're the our photo. profile they're, they're our Instagram profile <laughs> that's right it's how we see ourselves but not what we actually no, are I, yeah it took 15 minutes to get that angle and yeah. then some Photoshop somebody's cut together a very nice trailer but it's a terrible movie if you <laughs> watch right. the whole thing <laughs> um, obviously for Jesus this whole do unto others thing didn't end all that well um have 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 you thought much about like you know the negative consequences of like if we are all in this together and we do do unto others what we'd want them to do and how certain things fall apart well i mean firstly and this is part of my sort of broader you know belief system is that I think if we're trying to hang anything off one rule or one solution, then that's where we start to get ourselves in trouble. That if we don't acknowledge that every suggestion, you know, like, I mean, when I offer comedy advice to a young comedian, I don't like to withhold it Mm. because if, well, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily just offer it without being asked, but if they would like some advice and often I'm asked for advice, I always say it with the proviso, you know, for what it's worth. This is Mm. my experience, right? This is what worked and didn't work for me. But you've got to remember that you're not me, you know. (laughs) Like, you know, know, anything that I tell you, you know, it may be right, may not be right. Mm. It may be right for me and it may not be right for you, you know, like... Um, Are you doing the different strokes? Well, that's I I think that was the other bit I used to have, wasn't it? There was like, you know, but like... I like that, you know, yeah. what might be right for some, yeah, my, what was the line, what might be right for you may not be right for some or whatever it yeah. is. Or, and that to me is absolutely one of the sort of broader principles on which I live mm. is that, you know, I'm trying to work out how my life should work for me and how I should mm. make decisions and how I view the decisions I've made and how much the way that I see myself relates to the person that I actually am and how Mm. often, you know, those two things are the same thing and those two things are different things, you know. Mm. For me, it can be, you know, you know, I cobble together these things, you know, from a range of belief systems. So it could be that line from the Bible, but it could be, you know, the line from, you know, Batman Begins where, you know, (laughs) she talks about the fact that, uh, you know, it's not who you are inside, it's what you do that defines you, right? Mm. And, you know, so often, so that's a little bit like, you know, about that idea of going, if you are, don't do to other people, yeah, right? That can just be, well, I'm a good person and I'm not going to, but, you know, if they do unto others is a bit more in that state of like, you know, no, it's how you act, it's yeah. what you do. It's, And I think probably in life, it's both of those things. It's who you are mm. and also what you do. I yeah, don't think that what you do... somehow a relationship, I don't think what you do defines you entirely. Yeah. I think who you are is different to what you do. But I also think that it that what you do is an important part of who you are. Hmm. Like, so, 
I'm often just trying to find yeah bits and pieces you know that sort of connect all those ideas but I don't think I think if we look to anything as being like a good firm hard and fast rule then that's when we more often than not Mm. get ourselves in trouble Mm. yeah which I mean one of the things that I enjoy exploring on this is like for a diversity of people kind of hearing how they see the world how they um, how they even approach uh, these kind of texts if what would be your big, you know, advice seems a bit loaded, but for, for those who are listening in, kind of going, I'm I'm trying to um, uh, consider this stuff in ways that are actually liberating instead of oppressing, uh, ways that are life-giving instead of death-dealing. Um, what would seeing the world through the eyes of will kind of add to that conversation well firstly i would not wish that upon anybody (laughs) that's first and foremost in fact if anything sometimes i think that perhaps the thing that i can be guilty of and not as again as an overall principle but is that i often have much more kindness for like yeah sometimes there's another version of that rule is as well of like do unto others as you would have them do unto you is to kind of like you know, have this same high standards for your own life as you would hope for others. Yeah. You know, there are yep. there are there is advice that I would give my friends with like full love in my heart mm. that I find harder to give myself that advice sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, the idea that I have some sort of you know great insight into that <laughs> is uh, is probably the antithesis of what my sort of belief journey is anyway you know my belief journey is and it's very hard to kind of explain it but i have absolutely no doubt in my mind in a sort of practical belief sense Hmm. what i believe which is you know as my you know partner likes to you know constantly shake her head and mutter um you don't believe in anything (laughs) and i i kind of don't in that in that in the broad sense of like you know, I don't believe clairvoyance and I don't believe, sure. you know, organized religion and I, don't, yeah. and I don't have a particular spiritual side and I don't have it like, you know, those, I don't, you know, think that crystals work. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't, <laughs> but at the same time, I get great interest and joy out of other people's kind mm. of, you know, unless it, you know, tips over to times where it's, you know, harmful, where we've yeah, all sure. seen these things. In yeah. a general sense, my position is, here's what I reckon and my kind of what I reckon is pretty meat and potatoes, straight sort of, you know, we're a funny accident in the corner of the world, sort of, you know, yeah. corner of the universe sort of thing. Yep. Um, and then when we die, probably nothing will happen and, you know, the world will move on and all those sort of things. But it doesn't... And yet, like, maybe more so than most, you actually reckon a lot, Will. Like, you got a whole podcast which is um, entertaining what people reckon. Like, um, the you uh the the philosophy podcast is kind of opening up and entering into the you know it's empathetically and imaginatively entering into how somebody else sees the world and then offering that that's an incredible gift for for others um like i know some people from my world who heard the episodes that i was on and then was like and have you heard and these people that are so different in how they perceive a whole bunch of things who you've managed to, you know, 
set a table and invite people in and well that was kind of the broader overall point of it like literally that was the broader overall point of it was like here's all these people that i know and that i like and Mm. mostly up until this point it's always been somebody who has some sort of connection to my life Mm. like you know now we're getting to the point where maybe there's occasionally somebody that i don't know as well on the podcast but generally for the first hundred episodes or so they were all people who had a connection to my life in some way. So yeah, yeah. people that you could consider part of my broad friendship group or yeah. yeah worldview. And I thought that it would be interesting if I sat down with each of them, that what people would kind of get out of it was that they all saw the world in different ways. Yeah. And that was the point. Yeah, totally. Like the point was that all these people got along great. They were all connected to me. They were all people that I liked. Yeah. And that almost every single one of them, I mean, there's never been a person on the podcast who's subscribed to the exact same opinion on as the next. everything, but as the next or as me though, <laughs> yeah, like I've sure. never sat across from it. People will be like, you know, people ask about, you know, our friendship and, yeah. you know, when we kind of, you know, believe, you know, very different things in some ways, at least I think we believe a lot of the same things, but, but from very different yeah, w- yeah. starting places. Sure. <laughs> um, you like, but that's the same with any, anyone that I have on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has one of those. Yeah. You know, a range of beliefs or, you know, life thoughts or perspectives or whatever yeah. that are just not the ones that I have. And so this is the thing that I find fascinating because um I mean I don't think there's anybody who has any hold on reality that thinks that um, you know, that library book collection of, of writings um from the Jewish world that you read from earlier is what orientates or um, uh, holds most people's worldview. Like the golden rule for most is those with the gold make the rules, right? Like that's the golden rule. Um, and for me, even your podcast, but even in how you do your stand-up, I find fascinating the the space you make for those. There, there is a graciousness um, uh, in... Uh, what you attack, what you unmask, um, what you expose um, of yourself and of others and different things that are happening, that um, empathy and imaginatively entering into what's going on for for somebody else. um, uh, Like even when you got the email um, with the April Fool's and your... uh, manager like freaking out and we started talking about um eddie mcguire and the realities of um your your approach was one that put yourself in another person's and surprisingly and sadly that's it's kind of rare and it feels rarer as well and i wonder in part if the kind of attraction of authoritarian kind of um and even the rise of fascism uh, whether we're talking Turkey or the Philippines or Poland or the US or um, Bolsonaro in Brazil is actually that the attraction of a hate that holds us together is stronger because people feel less certain than anything before and the need for people to actually um, uh, not just think but um, act towards others in, in ways that... Um, are empathetic and uh, do open us up. You you do that. Like it's one of the things I respect most about you. But you know what? The well, I mean, if if that were the case, like that that is something that 
I think that when I'm at my best, that is the case. Mm. But it is, you know, like all of us, you know, not mm. something that I would say you would. And this is part of it as well, is this broader thought that you've got to realize that you're not the same person to everybody, mm. right? Yeah, sure. You can be the nicest person in the entire world, but the person who is at your local coffee shop hates you because <laughs> every morning you're on the phone, like at 7, yeah. you know, 0.05, and you never talk to them there. Now, what they don't know is you're on the phone because that's the point of the day where your dad who's got Alzheimer's yeah. is at his best and the only time you can talk to him and him have yeah. any decent memories is between 7 and 7.10 and you have to get to work and so you're on that phone call. Yeah. Now, the person behind the counter thinks you're an arsehole, yeah. but maybe you're not, right? Yep. No one is ever going to see you in the in the same way. And the reality that sometimes it's a lot easier with some people to do unto them is what you would want <laughs> because of the nature of how, you know, our pointy. So the nature, ends. the nature of having empathy, like I can be, I was telling you before about, you know, I'm running in a new show mm. and one of the things that, because I want to talk about, you know, some things that are, you know, about me being, you know, white, straight, middle-aged, reconciling what that means in this mm. modern-day society and the role of, you know, yeah. the changing world. And, you know, I I think that part of the mistake I made was that in this one show, I'd had two good nights and then I, di- I took away some of my empathy. Mm. Even for the people that I'm at- attacking, who mm. are the butt of the jokes or the... I've always felt like, I have always tried to at least acknowledge their point or give them a voice in what mm. it is that I do. But also because I always think that if you have any hope of actually changing anyone's mind rather than, you know, just preaching to the choir, yeah. you know, to use that language, just saying what, you know, you want to say to a bunch of people who already believe what it is that you're saying. Yeah. Then you need to be more clever about how you present those ideas to yeah, those totally. people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say you guys are this, but if you put those words in the mouth of somebody that they don't like, you know, yeah. like in the bit, you yeah. know, just in a practical sense, they start to go, I don't like that guy. Mm. And I don't like what he's saying either. Mm. Whereas this, if I was like, here's this thought that you've actually had, then suddenly I'm putting it back on you, you know. Yeah. I need to be able to tell you a story and often to do that story properly, I need to then go, well, what is your real concern here, mm. right? Like so often racism or these sort of things are symptoms of broader fears. Yeah. And what we end up doing is we end up like, you know, saying this person doesn't want immigrants to come here because he's racist. Whereas if you really took the time to sit down and talk to those people that you would understand that at least some of the racism Mm. comes from a fear of them losing their job or the fact that they don't understand or that they're reading in the media where they get five minutes a day to flick through the headlines and the yep. headlines all, you know, are written That's in a right. way that makes and them think that... It's the difference between diagnosing something and you can have a correct diagnosis and then actually healing it, right? right. Like, so it's yes. like, you're a racist. Cool. Uh, now what? Now what do we do? How do we heal that? How, how does transformation look like? How does... Um, uh, yeah, how do we actually see change? Because, I mean, this is the... Um, and I think for me, like, um, for me, this isn't a principle or an ideal or a utopia or um, something to, um, it's something that 
um, comes for Jesus, so he gets to define it for me, which I find really freeing because, you know, he's like Herod, um, the corrupt leader who's propping up the empire in his region. Um, he calls him a fox. And so, like, was Jesus not doing unto Herod is what he would want? Um, but Jesus is okay to, like, I, I know you used the term um, punching up um, in your comedy instead of, like, but actually expose what's what's going on um, and not turn it into something which, you know, is shame-inducing or guilt-inducing or um, something that becomes... Yeah, an, an ideal that we beat ourselves with instead of a it's it's a much more I like the word imaginative. It it's a it's a process where you enter into something which makes us more humble, not because spirituality is is tricky or ideals or and they become ways that we actually prop ourselves up against others instead of actually acknowledging our brokenness and how like even in your response going, Yeah, on my on my best days. Um What's what's your? Because of course, for um, God botherers of the variety that I am, will um, like the whole Christian thing is that um, God has done unto us in Jesus what we couldn't do for ourselves, or um, uh, what um, we had hoped for, and we see this picture of um, you know love with skin on and what it looks like. Um, what's your take on the the higher end theology regardless of whether it's um i'm not asking for your take on metaphysics like but just the poetry the poetry of of god doing unto us what we would want what's your take uh okay so uh you know it's like it, this is something that i think about a lot you know mm. i mean as you mentioned i have a whole podcast that's really about you know luring people into letting me ask them what you know they think happens when they die it's right. pretty much the, it's pretty much the whole point of the whole podcast <laughs> it's like an hour of foreplay out the up the front we're all talking about something else because <laughs> i find it's just too hard to jump to what do you reckon happens when you die because that's what i really want to talk about like i right. want to talk about yeah what do you reckon happens when you die and based on that answer how do you? How does that then define how you live? How you live, right? Uh, but the reason for that is that I'm curious in what people think, rather than mm. the fact that I think that there is an answer. Sure, I think that I'm asking. What I would like is for people to answer a question that I believe, in the way that I look at the world, is unanswerable. Mm. That everybody has. You know what? You might be right. Like there might be a point where, you know, after I die, I go, hey, oh my God, like Jared, like got 95% of this. <laughs> like really? I'll, I'll vouch close. for you if you vouch for me. He was Will, closer than, I know Jared. I know Jared and he nailed most of this and he said, I was okay. I'm with Jared. <laughs> I'm you know with Will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like hearing what people think and why they think it uh. because do I believe that there is some extra little bit of magic or ingredient in us that elevates the idea of evolution into what our evolution mm. has become. Mm. So if we are, you know, evolved from the animals without the... So if on a really practical sense, you believe what I believe, which is, mm. you know, scientific accident in the corner of the galaxy, unlikely, probably never will happen again in the same way. This is what it is. 
Now, that explanation, insofar as it goes, is fine, but it has a lot of question marks that it comes along with, Mm. right? Which is, if it is that, why is it this? Mm. Like, why would it be this? Yeah. Why would part of that evolution be that we love and feel and, Mm. you know, laugh and, you know, all these things, all these things that make our life such so rich but so complicated and yeah. so terrifying and so yeah. empty and all these sort of things. Yeah. Why would this possibly be, if if it is just, you know, as I've said, is mm. you know what I believe, then wh- why this? Mm. Why does my brain work this way? Why does, you know, do I feel about the things that I feel? You know, uncontrollable, non-practical, you know, like if I believe that when I die... Um, I'm dead. And if I believe Mm. that there is no God who's judging me or any of these sort of things, Mm. then why do I still choose to act in a way that, you know, is based on love or friendship or, you know, what people would describe as, you know, morality, you know, Mm. kindness and these sort of things. Because I think all those things are important. Yes. And I feel bad when I don't, when I am mean to someone or when I behave Mm. in a way that I, or I let someone down or whatever, I feel bad. Mm. Now, uh, to me, that doesn't feel like it comes from some higher power. When yeah, I have that yeah, feeling, yeah. I don't, you know, then go, well, that's because of magic or that's because yeah. of God or that's because of, you know, whatever. To me, that's like, yeah. that's to do with something unknowable mm. that we, I have resigned myself to the fact that I will never know. Mm. Like some people look for, you know, I want to put the a name to the unknowable. Mm. I put it, we all recognize that within us, we have this unknowable, right? Mm. This unexplainable. And so many people want to put a name on the unexplainable, right? Now, you know, you sound like the Rhineland mystics when you talk about this stuff. <laughs> that, that if you were studying like Christian spirituality at a seminary, would be reading the, the Cloud of Unknowing, um, would be reading um, St. Simeon, the New Theologian. And the way you're talking, like literally the way you're talking, using the term unknowing. Um, that it, like, what is it that we talk about when we talk of God? Because we're certainly not talking about, you know, an old dude with a beard with male genitalia sitting in the sky somewhere if only the cosmonauts went out further. (laughs) Like, um, that another interesting observation... um, Oh, sorry. The other thing yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. add, just to finish that thought, yeah, is that I understand that that's what people are trying to do, mm. and I have absolutely no. In fact, I love. I have no. I I genuinely am interested in that. Yeah. What's your What's your answer to the unknowable? Mm. But my answer is that the unknowable is unknowable. Yeah, and I have resigned myself. And resign feels like this, the wrong word, but I've mm. accepted. My piece is that the idea is that I've, and much in the same way as choosing stand-up as a career, I always say that part of choosing stand-up a career is choosing something, choosing the idea of dedicating your life to mastering something that is inherently unmasterable, right? Like you can't actually ever master stand-up comedy. And I think more broadly, that's my approach to the meaning of life, which is I love learning about what people think about the meaning of life. And I love hearing what other people's perspectives are, but I am not on a quest to ever find an answer. Yeah. I'd like to know what your answers are and I like hearing them. Yeah. 
but I'm not looking for an answer for myself. Yeah. I've resigned myself to the idea that it is it is unknowable and mm. I will never know. Mm. And I'm okay with it. Yeah, and the spiritual brilliance of that is all that I'm trying to point out. Well, like the the humility that is in inherent in that um instead of uh turning faith into something that provides answers that you're actually on the journey that humbly um but like you i mean you know where i'm coming from for, for me yes and amen to all that kind of um to to all of that only for for me um the unknowable we know to be love strangely through like you know this poor brown homeless palestinian nonviolent revolutionary who was strung up and i even more weirdly believe was raised from the grave like that's the that's the poetry of the unknowable for me which for me like the the narrow path um is about uh not providing answers but it's a path it's a way you walk it like um and um it's got it's got real costs involved but it's not a way to heaven but i do think it's a way that heaven comes here like i do think that um in in what you do um at your best when um uh, you expose the powers and actually give voice to the people and make us uh, laugh at truth in ways that humble us and make us wonder and question and um that that's an incredible gift and you teach me about the golden rule in the way that you do your comedy. It's why I'm such a big fan. It's not just um, uh, brilliant, but uh, to use your language, when you're at your best, you you help us be human. And I'm convinced that's what this whole gear is about. So thanks. No worries. <laughs> All right. Is that it? Are we done? Yeah, shall oh, we? Well, you know what? Yeah, you've managed. You said it'd be about an hour and it's like an... Uh, one hour and three minutes. So you have been, that? you weren't even looking at the how long it was. You've in, just internal got preacher an amazing. Clock. Do you, in fact, what happens when you're, you know, uh, when you're preaching and you have like, <laughs> do you have like a? Is there a like a? Because in stand-up comedy, you'll get yeah. the red light. You know what I mean? You yeah, right. The, someone will flick a light and say, "Wind it up, <laughs> wind it up, boyo." I, I preach in such variety. Like sometimes you're on a stage in mm. front of thousands of people, and there's literally a shot clock. Like it's yeah. um like uh, the NBA or something yeah. Yeah. like and it counts down and uh, it changes colors once you get close yeah. to like the three minute <laughs> they mark. They have those and... in the gala. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so the, there's that reality, and there's also you know the reality of um, there, there's 15 people in uh, in a, a country uniting church, and um, you've got 15 minutes, and then there's you know 800 people and they want you to go for 45 even though they always say you know it, it's 30 minutes so um <laughs> and i guess you know that's the equivalent of a preacher encore right yeah, I was like gonna say, yeah. um so yeah i'll do 30 but i got 15 up my sleeve that's real good stuff yeah, that that's... for the encore for the comeback <laughs> like jesus you know that's right i'm gonna do 15 minutes but it's gonna be three days later so <laughs> 
<laughs> well, if people want to um, uh, find you online, uh, see your latest shows, Will it? Anderson with one L. And if yep. you look, if you put, if you type that into your internet machines in whatever place that you look for stuff, you'll be able to find my stuff. And uh, currently, the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but my new show will tour every, everywhere eventually. Yeah. Well, we look forward to it in Perth. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Hey, thanks for being with us on the Inverse Podcast. A couple of really quick announcements for you. The next episode that we're going to release is with Lisa Sharon Harper, who is just absolutely incredible, and you are going to enjoy the episode. So keep your ears peeled for that. And also, for those who live in Sydney, if you are free on the 23rd of April, why don't you come on down to Foundry 616, where I'm doing a live gig with a band of uh, some of my original stuff. And so we've got incredible people in the band incredible people doing really cool stuff with visuals and projection mapping and whatnot uh it's gonna be a hoot it's a double bill it's me and then the joel jenkins trio who is like my favorite jazz keys player in sydney he's a monster uh so's the band so why don't you pop on down if you are free if not we'll see you in a couple of weeks on the inverse podcast